Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest podcast. I'm Eric Kane, Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs on with us here today. Tennessee concluded the regular season with a 10-2 record, a 56 to nothing thumping on the road at Vanderbilt, responding in a major way for the loss in Columbia and uh, capping off a 10-win regular season for the first time since 2003, and again, it was in shutout fashion. So plenty to discuss on that regard. It is now a new era of college football where graduate transfers are going to be start entering the transfer portal. We've already seen a couple of those. December the 5th is that window starting for a number of other players that can go in. It's going to be a busy time here in December, and of course, the early signing period coming towards the end of the month. Got a whole lot to talk about, but uh, first and foremost, Austin Price, Tennessee, Responded in the right way. It was a rainy, uh, monsoonish type uh, game, a little chilly as well. Uh, Tennessee had a backup quarterback in there and a couple other players who were out. Uh, but Tennessee responded the right way and took down uh, in-state foe Vanderbilt 56 to nothing. Yeah, I mean, they bounced back in a big way. Um, you know, monsoonish, I mean, I mean, it, it kind of just was just, just wet. I mean, here's, here's, rain. Here's, here's the question. Do you call it monsoonish? What's more accurate, monsoonish or road game for Tennessee? Because the loudest cheers in that stadium were for Tennessee. When when Tennessee took the field, it was the loudest thing. So so it's a debate. Which is the more accurate statement that it was a road game or that it monsooned? I, monsoon. I think it would be that it monsooned. Yes, yeah. it would be that it monsooned, but it, it, more just kind of a just nasty wet, it was. just constantly wet. It never stopped. Um, even when it kind of just went down to kind of a mist, like it was just it was. The moisture was out there, and then late in the game, it kind of got you know a little bit more. Tennessee's able to do whatever they wanted to on the ground in the second half, and you know, let's face it, Vanderbilt tapped out after that. Maybe after the Jabari small fifty-two yard run, but for sure after the fifty-yard run by um, Jalen Wright, Vanderbilt tapped out. I mean, it, when Dylan Sampson looks like Herschel Walker hitting Bill Bates on that safety and just. <laughs> walking in from 80 yards out i mean you knew they wanted no more no more of the tennessee run game no more of tennessee they ready at the offseason you know for me obviously there's a whole lot of things since he did well did well offensively like the run game a season high 362 yards you broke off runs of 50 and 53 and 80 and 83 or whatever it was um but the defense brand i mean it was you know it was embarrassed a week ago gave up 63 points comes back and pitches a shutout and was shorthanded in the back in the defensive backfield again with uh, you know Trayvon Flowers is not playing and a couple of corners were unavailable but uh, Tennessee found a way now Vanderbilt's offense is is not great it's improved but it's not great but I don't think any of us were expecting a shutout in this football game. Well, certainly I wasn't and of course no one should ever do anything based on my score predictions because they're the worst score predictions in in the history of score predictions and have been all year long in terms of how a game's going to go. I've not missed a ton of wins and losses but I've certainly missed. I uh, haven't been remotely close in any of the scores. I don't want to take anything away from what Tennessee did and what they accomplished, 
Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt was bad on offense Saturday night, Rob. They were bad. And I, I don't know what Vanderbilt's offensive plan of attack was. I mean, Mike Wright's, you know, the best thing he does is use his legs. And, Rob, they didn't they didn't run him. I mean, he only was, had like – Was he hurt? Maybe he was closet hurt and no one I knew? I don't know. I mean, he had five rushes until they put him back in at the end of the game to try to score. So, uh, that that played into Tennessee's favor. Tennessee played well. I don't want to take anything away from it, but that was a nice bounce back opponent for the ball defense, Rob. I mean, it was, but I mean, I still I'm, I was still impressed just because of the bounce back factor you mentioned. I mean, given just given how bad they looked in Columbia to give up sixty three points and six hundred yards. I mean, to be able to shut out, you know, Farragut. I didn't think they could do that. You know, seven seven days later. I mean, they 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 looked like a just a completely different team. I mean, and I mean, I think they were embarrassed in, in Columbia and I think they responded the right way. And yeah. I mean, everybody said it, Vanderbilt's not good, but still I did to, to shut them out on the heels of one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen from a Tennessee team, if not just flat out, you know, certainly on the short list, then um, I, I, it was a really, it was an unlooked for response for me. I did, I did not see that coming. What I liked defensively, Austin, was obviously I like Wesley Walker playing safety, instinctive, knew what was coming, acted. I mean, that play in the – what was it, the second drive of, of the game with that jet sweep, he made, he made that play in the backfield, just a an amazing football play to watch unfold. But he did a couple other good things. I thought Latrell Bumpus up front, Austin, was really disruptive all game long. Roman Harrison played a really good game, had two sacks, both on third downs, nearly had a third as well. And then I thought the linebackers thought Jeremy Banks came back and played well. Aaron Beasley continues to get better. Again, Vanderbilt is not like some of these other offenses around the SEC, but as Rob pointed out, it just based on what we saw from a week ago to see what we saw Saturday, uh, it was it was it was different and it was unexpected. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I learned, DC, is that you know, when Tennessee coughs up a chance to play for a national title, you know, it happens once every 20 years or so, go ahead and just take them to lay the wood the next game. Beat the hell out of Michigan after the 0-1 uh, SEC championship game. Now beat the hell out of Vanderbilt uh, after the South Carolina loss. Um, but, you know, you're right. The defense, Wesley Walker, I, you hope it, it's not too little too late for him because I think, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of gotten frustrated over the course of the season. You know, however, you hope that, you know, he says, okay, I played. I know it didn't go like I wanted to, but I think I can be the guy next year. Um, Trayvon Flowers will not be here next year. Jalen McCullough, I'm sure, will try to be. You know, again, I think Jalen McCullough is a, a fine person, fine fine football player. But for Tennessee to take a step in the defense, they've got to get more athletic in the back end. And, and you know, I, I never feel comfortable saying those things just because I feel like I'm, you know, poo-pooing on a kid. But, like, if Tennessee wants to take a step and in in, in, in improve as a defense, they've got to get more athletic in the back end. And, um, you know, is that Wesley Walker? Is that someone else? Um, you know, ultimately, you know, Tennessee's got some nice young pieces on this defense. We saw Tyree West Saturday night with two sacks. He's been uh, a guy that's flashed all year long. Josh Josephs, uh, James Pierce, um, guys that have flashed as well. Tennessee obviously likes what they, you know, they have in Elijah Herring. Um, you know, uh, I, I feel like there's some nice young core nucleus pieces coming in in this 2023 class. But, you know, they need a little bit of instant help, which is why I think they'll go to the portal uh, on defense, especially defense and offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think defensively they've got to get they've got to get more consistent off the edge. Okay. And, and I think James Pierce is 
got potential there, but it's untapped. We'll see where he's at. We'll see where Joshua Josephs. Uh, he's shown and flashed, and, and I think an offseason with Joshua Josephs is going to be good. If there is a veteran edge guy out there, I think you have to look at that if you're Tennessee uh, because those two young guys have still got a, a good bit to learn. Um, so I, I think if you can get a veteran guy who could come off the edge and be an impact player, then, then you want to look at that. I mean, not getting Jared Verse last year was a big loss for Tennessee. I mean, you yeah. look at what Verse did in, in his you know one season at Florida State. He would have he would have helped Tennessee's pass rush. I think Tennessee needs to be able to rush the passer more consistently with their front four against good competition um, to help the back end, and then they've got to get more athletic in the back end. If I'm Wesley Walker, do you want to go to learn a new system? I mean, I, I think you. I'm with I think you. you. I think you walk out of this game. Depending on what happens in the bowl game, I mean, as Flowers going to be back, I think you got to rotate Walker back there and play him. But if you're Wesley Walker, you should come out of the Vanderbilt game going, yeah, I probably should have played more and had more opportunities, but can I go somewhere and get a better opportunity that I'm going to have here next year? Because I think he he ascends to being one of the safeties for Tennessee next year. I think that's just a natural thing that happens. So that would be my selling point to Wesley Walker if I were Tennessee is like, look, where are you going to go and get a better opportunity than you have here? Because, you know, that it's going to be cleared out in front of you uh, for the most part. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, the, the maddening thing about me for this defense is, is it's not about this defense, but it's about an individual. And, and, and Jeremy Banks wasn't worth 24 points or whatever at South Carolina. And I'm not saying that. Yeah, but, he was. But, but that's guy, that is a guy who's going to leave this program who was productive, who was an exciting player, who never really fully reached his potential, in my opinion. Um, and, and and I think that, you know, it, it's just unfortunate for him because if he could have, if he could managed everything better, handled things better, I think he could have been a, a, a really, really good player. He's not a bad player in the least, but I think he could have been more than just a, you know, see ball, hit ball, go really fast. I mean, he made two plays in pass coverage Saturday night. Now he dropped them. Okay, don't get me wrong. He helped him, but but that was he made two plays that were growth that he couldn't have made a year ago, um, and he made those in the, in the, in the drops in the pass game and a lot of untapped potential there. He just never could. He's just never been able to dial it in and be focused the way he needs to be focused with everything to be the best version of himself. Um, so we'll see what happens as he moves forward in, in, in football and what happens with him, but. Um, that that's one that you're going to kind of always look back on and go, he was good, but, but what could he have been had he been a hundred percent locked in the whole time? Yeah. One of those plays you're talking about, Brent, he bluffed the blitz off the edge. This is third down as well. And he reads past, gets back into his hook curl, finds the third receiver, goes in there and then breaks on the ball. I mean, that's probably the best Jeremy Banks I've seen in pass coverage ever at Tennessee. And it came in the last game. That was a really nice play. Would have loved to hold on the football there and have that pick, but Again, you're playing linebacker for a reason. Um, oh, remind, reminded me of, of you against Shorter. Of Shorter? Was I going back and uh, covering that that tight end that Tennessee just offered? <laughs> no, he wasn't there, Kane. You're older than that. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to I go on two other – I, I want to make two other points on, on this game and, and move over to the offensive side of the football first. Uh, the offensive line uh, with a rotation on the left side, and then secondly, Joe Milton. But – Dane Davis and Ollie Lane, Brent, they played about they played about three quarters of football. They did a great job coming in. You didn't have Gerald Mincy in this game. 
Uh, J.J. Crawford goes out early. Jerome Carbon goes out early. So it's a lot of Dane Davis and Ollie Lane. And then Javante Spragans goes down. You have Jackson Lampley to come in and play uh, the other guard. Tennessee did a lot of good things with that rotation up front. Um, I thought Dane Davis played a great football game on three of the four. Brent, I think you had this in your 10 things. Three of the four long touchdown runs. They were pulling off its alignment from one side to the other, kicking out and leading up. And uh, I think that deserves some praise uh, because those guys wait on their opportunity. They practice every single day and they came in and performed. Yeah. I mean, Rob, I mean, Vanderbilt's defensive front wasn't, you know, the most aggressive, most challenging, you know, defense along the way. But I mean, I don't know that Dane Davis has played a snap at left tackle in a game this year. Um, because when he's gone in and mop up duty, it's been on the right side. So to go into that game early, as early as he did as a left tackle and play the way he did, I think speaks a lot about his engagement where he was at. I think he deserves some praise for, for what he got done um, playing a, a position that he really hadn't played. I mean, he's played it before, and I'm not saying that, but it was last year because he's not really played any left tackle this year. So uh, kudos to, to that guy for, for being ready to play and going out and playing. And, and they didn't miss a beat when they went with those – that had to go with those second unit guys. Obviously didn't miss a beat. I mean, it set a school record for, for yards per carry. I mean, nobody who played up front in that game had – had a bad game and probably very few snaps. I mean, very few bad snaps. And what was it at one point in the second half? Ever, I think they had eleven carries for three hundred two yards. I mean, just in the in, in the third and fourth quarters, it was. And, and Vanderbilt's not been that bad of a run defense. I mean, they were in middle of the pack and in, in the league, giving up one hundred sixty yards a game um, in conference play. So, I mean, I mean, kudos, hats off. I mean, I, I mean, I'm with AP. I do think they. They pulled the plug in the third quarter, but definitely, you know, still, it, no matter how many caveats you put on it, that was a really impressive performance by the offensive front and the backs. Well, the I other mean, I, thing I was oh, going to ahead, say, I said ahead, on, on our post game pod, EC, is you know the player the players heard all that crap that was out there last week. They heard all the, the there's division and the bat football and the defense melded in and and broken jaw and all this stuff that was out there that just wasn't true. And, you know, I mean, I had multiple of them tell me, you know, you know that was a driving force for, you know, behind them playing the way they did, you know. Um, and they know they, they gave one away at South Carolina, gave up a golden opportunity. They didn't need to be told over and over. And they, I think, frankly, just tired of hearing it and wanted to go out and prove a point. Well, I think the other person tired of hearing it was the head football coach. I mean, he, he referenced it on the SEC network as the game was over. He referenced it to the regular media in the post game, and he referenced it again on his coach's show that that they recorded when he got back to Knoxville. The, the head coach doesn't get a whole lot involved in, in those types of things, right? He, de- he doesn't respond to a whole lot. But that one clearly bothered him because he responded to it in every platform he had to respond to it uh, to make everybody know where it was at. He was very protective of his locker room and his team post game. Well, and I think he should have been because it's one thing for, you know, some, you know, poster on a message board ours 24 7 whoever or on twitter uh who's behind the handle to say this or that but it's another thing for national media to come out and kind of run with things without kind of verifying things without kind of finding out like you know um the details to stuff so you know i I think that's kind of where really he got really irked i mean you 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 say things on college game day or on the college football playoff uh ranking show and you know, people watch those things and, and there's consequences, you know, um, for Tennessee when, when, when Kirk Herbstreet's out there. I mean, how many people on our board were saying, 
well, you know, so-and-so said this, but what little people do real, what do little people realize uh, or people little realize, whatever, um, is that, you know, national guys call the beat guys a lot and pick their brains on things. Um, you know, but sometimes they just go with, you know, what they're hearing as well without really validating anything. And so it's, it's one of those kind of catch 22s, um, you know, where you, you're asked to talk about a hundred different teams in the nation and it's impossible to have a, a great feel for all of them. Well, and I would also speculate that, that the guy who we're talking about, Kirk Herbstreit, is probably one of the few national guys that could get Josh Heupel on the phone pretty easily. Yeah. And, and obviously did not before he went on the, the college football playoff show last week. Yep. It's a good point. Um, I'll be interested to see kind of what they say later tonight in regards to Tennessee. Yeah. And we'll talk more on that uh, here in just a moment. One other thing from this game though, I do want to bring up Hey, Joe Milton, uh, Rob, it was again, the weather was, it was not great. He got started hot early, had a deep connection to, to, to Hyatt, which was good, but he did miss on some throws. Um, you know, one over the middle of the Prince of Fan was a bad throw. Uh, Romel Keaton didn't help him out later in the game when he dropped another long one. Uh, the game plan kind of did change a little bit as well as, you know, you had a 21, 35, 42 point lead. What did you think about Joe Milton's performance? Protected the football, didn't turn it over. Tennessee got a win. What did you think of Joe Milton? Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing I would say. I mean, pr- protecting the ball was big in that game because there was no way Vanderbilt was going to be competitive without a lot of help. And, and he, he didn't do that. But started had a great start. It was 6-9, and nine, had 120 yards in, in the first quarter. And it, you know, kind of looked like it was going to be – like he was going to look like he does when he comes in the fourth quarter of a blowout for a minute. But then he, you know, the overthrow started. He had two or three that were, you know, just the one to fat that you mentioned was just – it was, it was there. It, that play was there to be made. So I didn't think he played badly. What was he, 11 of 21 for 140 yeah. yards? And, and clearly the play calling changed in the second half with the weather. He only had five attempts in the second half. But, you know, kind of the, the same story. I mean, the arm, the arm talent is just absolutely tantalizing. But at the same time, the, the accuracy is, you know, still looks like it's it, it's a problem. I, I get and and Hubbard, Hubbard made a great point, too. I, I don't think they – I mean, I, I think they were trying to keep it out of harm's way, but I, I don't know where you wrote this over, but maybe the day after Tim Thane's, uh, there was not a lot of short, you know, 10, 15 yard throws over the middle of the field where I, I think he's, you know, really done a nice job and, and it generates some big plays where he's come in. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that was just conservative, keep it out of harm's way. Yeah, I get the, the, the head, the head banging on the, the, deep, the misses on the deep throws, especially when Tennessee's got guys behind the secondary. But the only really bad throw that I thought he made was late in the first half. He tried to throw across his body to Princeton Fant and Vanderbilt. That was the only time all night Vanderbilt got a hand on any of one of his passes. I mean, like, you know, he really did a nice job of not putting it in harm's way. And, and I agree. And I said this on the post game, and, and Hubs obviously wrote about it. You know, I, I think going forward in the bowl game, Tennessee's got to use him on those crossing routes they don't throw a ton in their offense but that's something he just throws so well i mean that seed he threw to ramel keaton uh in his first play at south carolina the the pass on the fourth down to ramel keaton the other night he he's just you know besides the deep ball he's really comfortable there but yeah the back half of the game rob i mean it was like he he was he was throwing routes like i play playstation just throw it deep (laughs) see if you can catch it and put up touchdowns really fast you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, look, that... Joe Milton's going to be the quarterback for Tennessee next fall, assuming that, that he's going to be that. He's going to ask one question. And the only question anybody's going to ask all summer long is, has he gotten any better with the deep ball? Has he gotten any more accurate with the deep ball? That, that's going to be the question surrounding Joe Milton because when he's been the starter, he's missed them, right? I mean, at Pittsburgh a year ago, he missed multiple deep balls that could have been touchdowns early in that game. And he was one of eight on throws of over 20 yards in the game against Vanderbilt. Weather was a factor. Um, maybe a receiver got held. There were some different things. But there were some that were just – I mean, he threw it, I mean, he threw it five, six yards over the guy's head. I mean, he, the, the one where Jalen Hyatt tried to run to uh, over there to Ted's Montana Grill going out the back of the end zone, <laughs> Austin. I, I mean, there's no chance he was going to catch that ball, okay? I mean, I mean, he – that was his, I mean, that was a bad overthrow. And then he threw another one where he threw squirrel white into the, in, you know, into the locker room area down there where he just overthrew it. So that's going to be the one question at some point, you know, he's going to have to make those throws if he's going to be Tennessee's quarterback, because that's such a part of what Tennessee's offense is, is the vertical passing game. He, he doesn't have to hit 80% of them. Okay. I mean, Hendon Hooker doesn't hit 80% of them. But he gives his guys a chance to make a play. But he, he can't go one for eight on those route on those routes. You know, right. and, and that's my one criticism of Joe. Now, elsewhere, he had no panic. They had no operational issues, right? I mean, everything looked like it was on the same page. He didn't have a bunch of confusion out there. He didn't throw the ball in a bad spot. He didn't take sacks. All those things he gets a lot of credit for. But the biggest question mark he's going to have to answer if he's going to be Tennessee's quarterback is can he throw the deep ball accurately, more more accurately. R- random thought. Ted's Montana grill, really good. Only drawback, they have paper straws. It's not a good deal. A lot of places have the paper straws nowadays. One other thing on Joe Milner is one time where he should have, should have just threw the ball out of bounds. He about took a sack, did a great job of evading, ran all the way over to the left, and the last minute just flipped the ball out there and then took a shot. Man, just throw that ball out of bounds and protect yourself. Well, there was a play, I don't remember what quarter it was in, but he was going left to right across the TV, right? Um, and the play was just kind of like a, you know, a curl for the guy to the left and it wasn't there. And so he just, you know, Vanderbilt had it defended. So he just threw it out of bounds and hit the, the, uh, injury tent. And I was like, well, whoever was in there is probably concussed now. I mean, <laughs> think it was like bulleted in there. Well, I think that's one thing Joey Halsey's got to, got to continue to, to, to drive home to all of his quarterbacks. I think there were plays down the back half of the season before Hendon Hooker got hurt where he should have thrown the ball away and just kept stringing a play out, stringing a play out, trying to make something happen there, you know, throw it away and live for another day. And and I think that's something that, you know, you gotta, you gotta consistently remind guys of, because I I think Hendon Hooker did that a little bit too much. And obviously that one player mentioned with Joe, where just 
just get rid of it and, and yeah. don't take the shot and live for another day. But I think when you when you get in this offense and you think you can score on every snap, you, you don't want to give up a snap, right? And, and you want to string it along to see what happens. And um, you know that's and again that's nitpicking. Tennessee did Tennessee did what they needed to do to win the football game. Defensively, they were really good. Joe Milton was was good enough. He he was as accurate as he needed to be. 56 to nothing for Tennessee over Vanderbilt. Some breakout performances as well. Dylan Sampson named SEC Freshman of the Week yesterday. Roman Harrison, as we mentioned, had a couple sacks on third downs. He was the SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. And I'll uh, I'll be intrigued to see this team play in a bowl game. Brent Hubbs and Austin Price that, and uh, Rob Lewis that, uh, you know, was thinking either orange or cotton. You know, Tennessee, Penn State kind of jockeying for positions in the AP and the coaches, one ahead in the AP, the other ahead in the coaches. Now the conversation shifted a little bit more to when the college football playoff rankings come out tonight, will Tennessee jump Alabama? Um, I'm not expecting it, but even though Tennessee's got the better resume, Tennessee has the head-to-head, I think it should happen. But there's been a lot of discussion on Monday and in the early part of today about saying, will the committee do the right thing and put Tennessee ahead of Alabama and Austin, if that is the case, Tennessee might make it to the Sugar Bowl potentially. But a lot of things could be coming down tonight with those college football playoff rankings. I feel like we're going to have a really good idea of where Tennessee is going to be going bowling. Yeah, I mean, I think wherever they're at, if they're behind Alabama, you're looking at the Orange Bowl. If they're ahead of Alabama, then it'll be the Sugar Bowl because nothing's going to happen between this week and next week to flip those things. You know, just like it had. had Penn State ended up ahead of Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee could have gotten ahead of Penn State, um, you know, when you don't play. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to kind of see how it plays out, too. I mean, you're right. I mean, Tennessee's resume is better, um, you know, but everybody's going to go, but they lost, they gave up 63 to South Carolina. But guess what? Tennessee in 2007 got hammered by Florida, got hammered by Alabama, but they still, because of tiebreakers, went to Atlanta. Like, at some point, the head-to-head has to come into play. You know, it's just common sense. The two teams played. Like, I think, if anything, Tennessee's going to get punished because Hendon Hooker is not available. And 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 I think that most people see Joe Milton as a step back from Hendon Hooker, and I think that, that the rankings will probably reflect that. Because, as Hubs has said, from the moment that Tennessee was ranked number one, in the initial college football playoff poll, the human element, whether anybody wants to say it is there or not, is absolutely there. Why would it not be there? You have humans voting on it. And at some point, their thought process kicks in. Otherwise, if they were going straight by the criteria, Tennessee would be ahead of Alabama come later tonight. I mean, and what's Alabama's best win at Ole Miss? They beat Texas without Ewers on the road in week two. So it's that or or at Ole Miss, yeah. I mean, which is, I mean, not close to winning at LSU or, or you know beating Alabama head to head. What's Ohio State's best win? I mean, they don't have one either. I mean, at Penn State, I guess. I mean, you know, but I mean, how good are they really? Um, you know, I mean, I guess there are two lost teams. Their two losses are to Michigan and 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 Ohio and Ohio State. Um, but. You know, I mean, you could make that argument a lot, but, you know, again, I get the people that will throw the 63 in Tennessee's face, and it should be thrown. It was awful, but, you know, to, to think that head-to-head doesn't matter in some of this is a bit of a head-scratcher to me. But, you know, whatever comes out tonight, you'll know where Tennessee's going based off where they are with Alabama. 
Yeah, I think this thing, you know, obviously because of where Tennessee's been, you I haven't followed it closely through the years, right? Because you kind of knew okay, Clemson's going to be there, Alabama's going to be there, you know, Ohio State's going to be there, and then kind of who's the fourth team? It's kind of what it's been like the, the last few years. So you, you haven't played, you haven't watched it very closely. Rob, it feels like there's a there's a bit of the basketball committee vibe in this deal in terms of, in basketball, it's, the old narrative is what did you do in your last 10, right? I mean, they want the hot teams in and your last 10, your last 10 in basketball when you're seeding the NCAA tournament. In this deal, it feels a lot like the November factor is greater than the September factor is on some things. And I ask it this way, and I think Austin, you may have mentioned this on the post-game mini-podcast. I can't remember. What if Tennessee had gotten beat by 17 points or whatever, got, got hammered at Pittsburgh in week two, but then took care of business and beat South Carolina? Where is Tennessee with the same record – if you win in November and have an early loss. So I, I think the November vibe um, and what you do in November, it carries a lot of, a lot more weight in this than I thought it would. Um, that's what it feels like. Now, maybe that's not ultimately the case, but it sort of seems what sort of seems what it feels like. Tennessee is being greatly punished, not just for how they lost, but for when they lost. And, oh, I, and, and I think that's something that's a lot like the NCAA tournament selection committee. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. It's better to lose early. Way, way better to, to lose early. I mean, but I also, I think the two sports are different because, I mean, I don't think it should be weighted as heavily in football because just not as much time has passed. I mean, you talk, when you when you are grading a basketball team in November, you know, when the select can be, that was, that was ages ago when you're talking about in March for the NCAA tournament. You know, September seems like a long time ago, but, you know, it was really just, you know, Two months, you know, not eight weeks. Whereas in basketball, you're you're talking about it, you know, a lot lot longer time. But I, I think you're exactly right, Brett. I mean, I, I think you get penalized later in the season. I think there's recency bias, and um, yeah, it's just it's if you're going to lose one, it's it, and you're going to lose one ugly, especially. It's way better to do that in September. I mean, look at Oregon until they played their way out was somehow in the playoff, you know, in the conversation despite just getting absolutely housed by georgia 49 to 3 yeah but by the way just quick note on oregon not that anybody watching this really cares about oregon but dan lanning's got to learn some game management <laughs> i mean two four down calls one in the civil war this past week against oregon state and then um washington the, the washington fourth down call what are you what are you doing man you, i mean <laughs> that those two were beyond head scratchers because he gave he gave two games away in my opinion Late in that foot, late in both those football games, with how he managed, you know, play calling on fourth down on Saturday. Did they turn it over on downs like their last four possessions? Yeah, or just something absurd. Yeah, with a big lead, like just, mm. I mean, I don't know. He he's he certainly has had moments where he's looked like a first year head coach, um, and and, and that's you know, uh, that's why they're not in the college football playoff. Okay, give uh, on the record, give your prediction. Where will Tennessee be ranked tonight? And what and because of that, what bowl game will Tennessee be playing in? Rob, you go first. Uh, I'll go with seven. I guess. I mean, I, I I think they should be ranked ahead of Alabama. I don't think they will be. So so I'll say seven. Seven in the orange. That's what I'll say as well. What do you got, AP? Yep, same. I, I just don't think that they'll. I just think that Alabama carries the weight, having won mm-hmm. ten games fifteen years in a row, and Nick and. Bryce Young. Now, the, the interesting dynamic there is, does Bryce Young play in 
a sugar bowl. You know, if he's if he's you know if Alabama can't get to the playoff, I mean, you know, I, I think some of those playoff games could have some serious you know uh, stars lacking. What yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's interesting that you're seeing some of the national conversation uh, that you saw on Monday um, talking about Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama. Is that just to drum up some talk or, or, or kind of why is that narrative suddenly, you know, creeping out there th- this week? I still think Tennessee finishes behind Alabama and, and I'm with you guys. I think they're seventh and they're going to go to the orange bowl uh, is my, is what I project right now or would guess right now. I do think it's interesting that it, it almost feels like it's a little out of the blue that this week there's talk about Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama. Whereas last week there was no talk about that. Obviously the talk was about Tennessee and, everything going on with Tennessee. Now that they've beaten Vanderbilt, one of the talking points is should they be ahead of Alabama? Is that because the, you know, the, the top four kind of set, you don't have a lot of discussion points there, but, but what is the, why is the Alabama Tennessee narrative sort of crept into the conversation uh, on Monday and, and into the day heading into tonight's announcement? I find that kind of interesting, but I still think Tennessee finishes behind them. And you, yeah, you know I mean, what's it, ironic? I, wouldn't you bet that the sugar would rather have Tennessee just because, you know, how motivated are Alabama fans going to be when, you know, it's not a playoff that they're traveling to like it is every year, whereas Tennessee would absolutely, you know, Tennessee fans would flood New Orleans. Yeah, here, remember this too. You're 100% right, Rob. Here's the other thing too. If Alabama stays ahead of Tennessee, then Alabama can remain on the outside looking in, but in the potential conversation as being the fourth team in the playoff if things fall that way. And I think that's part of that discussion point that's out there. Why I don't think Tennessee would jump Alabama and suddenly Tennessee becomes a discussion point of being the fourth team in if everything fell that way. I don't see that storyline developing, which is why another reason why I think Tennessee stays behind Alabama. And again, to your point, Brent, I think the reason why it's a talking point now and it wasn't last week, it's just straight up recency, right? I mean, Tennessee looked horrific defensively in the loss against South Carolina. It's not like beating Vanderbilt. Even the way you did, it's that impressive. It's just Tennessee didn't lose, and Tennessee looked much better this week, I guess. Well, um, you, know, you also have your four teams pretty much set, right? Yeah. I mean, Georgia's not going anywhere. Michigan's going to be at two. TCU's going to be three. Mm-hmm. I guess your fourth team is – is I mean, you, you can't keep Ohio State ahead of USC right now. And, and the fourth USC. Five, you know, it's going to be USC. So, they're, I mean, those guys are going to be sitting on the desk tonight, and they're going to be this big unveil, and they're going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what, what do you got? Like, where, where's the topic? Where's the discussion? The discussion is going to be five through seven, Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee. And, and that, that's the point, and that's the talking points of the last 24 hours. Last thing I want to hit on here, the battle for Atlantis. Tennessee took that crown, Rob Lewis. Uh, you had really, really good play from Santiago Vescovi. He played well against Butler, played well against Kansas in the championship game. He had Julian Phillips that lit it up against Southern Cal in that middle portion. Uh, your big takeaways from Tennessee winning the battle for Atlantis and kind of where they are right now in the early season. Uh, biggest takeaway, you know, Julian Phillips obviously showing you what, what he's all about, and they got all that done without Josiah. Yep. You know, you know playing a minute. I mean, I, and I think working him in, it's it, well, first off, getting him healthy is imperative. But then, you know, how, what do your roles look like? How does that change things when he is back and playing, you know, 26, 30 minutes a game? But I just thought, you know, a, a great run for those guys. I, I'm, you know, I, I think Kansas is probably a little overrated, but th- that shouldn't subtract from the way Tennessee just just took them apart on Friday night. Tennessee's defense was great all all three days. You know, offense was not great 
all the time, all three days, but that just kind of proves the point that, you know, when shots aren't falling, you, you can still hang around and, 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 and win games with your defense. I, I just think, you know, never think it's great to lose, but in hindsight now it's hard to say that that loss to Colorado was not, not a good wake-up call for this team because they've, they've looked a lot different since that. Rob, I mean, this team is always going to play defense. That, that's Rick Barnes is, is going to hang his hat on defense. But what was the bigger surprise to you? What Tennessee did defensively for three days or what they did on the rebound on the glass for three days? Oh, I mean, probably the glass, just because you have questions about the big guys. And, for you know, Tennessee could do that, but their guards have to rebound well, which they did. And, you know, even, even Zakai, I mean, Zakai's probably the best five foot nine rebounding guard in the country. Uh, you know, Phillips got on the glass pretty well, but, uh, you know, Eurosh is not a, a huge rebounding guy. I, neither is Adu or, or, you know, Camwa can be, but so the rebounding hub against, you know, a really physical Kansas team. Um, you know, if Tennessee can keep that up, it really brightens their outlook. And, and again, they're, they're without, you know, Josiah, maybe their best rebounder, you know, even, even a, as a wing and, and you don't have him there. Well, Tennessee will return back to action at Thompson Bowling Arena tomorrow night against McNeese State. That game is set for a 7-15 tip. Uh, complete coverage from Rob Lewis, Grant Ramey as well, on Tennessee basketball can be found at VolQuest.com. We've got a whole lot of stuff on the site this week at VolQuest.com. Of course, there's no game to look forward to this Saturday, but with the college football playoff rankings coming out later tonight, have a good idea of where Tennessee will be going bowling. That official announcement will be made on Sunday as well, so – a lot of good stuff, a lot of football content still on the side of VolQuest.com. Excited about some of the things I'm writing this week for sure. And you can get all that and uh, for more for just $10 until kickoff 2023, a VolQuest.com subscription, $10 until kickoff 2023. Really looking forward to seeing you on the site. And get your popcorn ready because the transfer portal opens in less than a week. Officially. And, and Eric, don't say there's not a game this week. There's a massive game Friday night. Finley Stadium in Chattanooga. That's right. The West Rebels. Dylan Lewis will be there to cheer on Jackson Lewis. Rob will be there. Deb, the whole Lewis clan going. They're heading down after this podcast, right? After after the mailbag podcast. Okay. Okay. Got to get down there. Rob's going down to put his blanket in the stadium early in the week. He's going to camp out down there. Deb might pitch a tent, but uh, what what a fun time for for you guys, Rob. Good good luck against Paige this weekend or on Friday night, and um, what what a great run and and what what how fun, much fun Friday nights have been for you guys for a long time now. So good luck to you guys. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Volquest is behind the Lewis family. All right, we'll come back on Thursday for the Volquest Mailbag Podcast again. Ten dollars until kickoff twenty twenty three. Text your buddies. Let everybody know for awesome prize. Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs. I'm Eric Kane. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and thanks so much for joining us here on the BallQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the BallQuest Podcast every week here on BallQuest. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.